We have a lot of scripture to read for today's uh, message out of uh, Exodus chapter 5. I was looking through my preaching Bible. This is not my study Bible, but this is probably Exodus is probably the book with the most markings in it. Uh, little side notes and things like that for me. It's uh, Old Testament has always been one of my favorites, and I love the book of Exodus and the message and the lessons that God brings. So it's been fun to walk through this in our series on God Talks. I want to say hello to all those of you who may be tuning in to us from wherever you are online, and we're grateful that you're here and you're a part of what's going on. You can find on, uh, if you have the Bible app loaded up, the version. All of you here and all of you who are listening can find a place to take notes there under our event. And we have that up and live right now. So you're able to, to tune in and, and take notes on your phone if you like or however you'd like to. Uh, we're looking today at, at, at Exodus chapter 5. And I want to clip through and read with you together as we get into the message today. All right. Moses and Aaron went into and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And so they said, The Lord of the Hebrew has met with us, please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and the sword. And then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. The, then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of this land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. And so the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks that they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw and uh, where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when you were, as when, um, fill your daily quota as when there was straw. And also the officers of the children of Israel from Pharaoh's taskmasters had set them over 
were beaten and, and, and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? And then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with us, your servants, thus? And uh, in, there is no straw given to your servant. And they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten. But the fault is not your own, uh, are in us, or the fault is not in us, your peop own people. It's in your own people. But he said, Your idol idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. And therefore, they go now and work, for no straw shall be given you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after uh, it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your quota. We come to a section in the storyline that we've been following along where Moses and Aaron finally, you know, they, Moses gets past all his excuses. We, we talked about them last week, five initial excuses that he had for not going. God, I'm not qualified. I'm not, I don't have the authority. I don't have the power. God answered every one of those excuses that Moses has. And now, you know, they have gathered their courage. And they've gone to Pharaoh. And the results really have been uh, good to begin with, to start with. They went first to the elders of the community. And when they went to the elders of the community, they found that uh, the people there listened to them. It says, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders and the Israelites and told them everything that the Lord had said to Moses. And he also performed the signs of the people. And they believed. And when they had heard that the Lord uh, was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. It's important, this, this section of passage, because as we unfold the rest of the story, what we read just a moment ago, we begin to see that what is happening immediately is the people are recognizing that they have strayed from the Lord and they're starting to return back. And what happens is they, they, were, work, they were in a seven-day work week. Because of what was going on, because of Pharaoh. Now, there are some of us who voluntarily on seven-day work weeks. But they were under, uh, they were slaves, and they were on a seven-day work week. They had to fulfill a quota. And when they realized that the Lord had heard them, they bowed down and worshipped. And, and the text begins to unfold and tells us that what, what began to happen was that they took a day off. They took the Sabbath off, and they began to worship the Lord on that day. And this is what infuriated Pharaoh and, and caused him to, to make the edict, which says, we're not going to give you any more straw. You're going to create the same amount of bricks. If you want to do it in six days, you're going to do seven days of work in six days, if that's what you want to do. And he says to them, you're lazy. You're idle. You're lazy. And so we're not going to, to give you what we gave you before. We're not going to help you out. And, and so initially when Moses and Aaron go and they obey the Lord, it's good news because the people hear them, and that was probably a big fear for Moses, having left, you know, uh, all these many years ago and, and kind of left in disfavor both with Pharaoh and with his own people. And now he comes back and he finds, wow, they heard the message. And not only did they hear it, they're doing something about it. In, in the face of persecution, in the face of, of difficulty, in the face of being slaves, they are taking the Sabbath back 
they're giving it to, to God and they're, they're worshiping God. This had to be very encouraging for him. The Israelites listened to them. They believed what he said and they bowed down and worshiped the Lord. They began to put into practice what they had heard. It wasn't just, well, we'll wait and see if God does something good. You know, we'll, 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 you know that's great that God's heard us and, and that's encouraging and stuff like that. But when we start seeing the signs, when they let up on us a little bit and, and they're, they're not treating us so, so fiercely, then, then we will, you know, do something more. We'll take a step every time we see God take a step. But when Moses came to the people and he showed them the miracles that God had shown him, the casting down of the rod, it became a snake. And then, you know, we read earlier, he put his, his hand in his, in his bosom in an earlier message in this series. He pulled it out. It was like leprosy. He puts it back and brings it out. It's like white as snow. These are pretty uh, incredible signs. And the people believed. God had heard them. And they said, we're going to do something about it. We're going to do something about God hearing us. We're going to set aside and worship the Lord and give God back his day. And so it begins kind of, you know, encouraging in the sense that here they are, you know, uh, worshiping God, setting aside the Sabbath. But this was not going over very well with Pharaoh. But it says early in the passage, things started going well. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord. They began to realize that they were important to God. It was significant this moment, and it, and it always is in the life of every individual, it's significant when we recognize that God has identified us individually. It's great when we understand that God loves, you know, the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's, that's, that's neat. That's cool for us to think about. Love to watch TV and the touchdown in the end zone. And they have John 3, 16. The guy's holding it up, you know, to remind everybody, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can quote it. We know it. But it is a new revelation when you come to understand that God cares about you individually. He knows about you individually. And one of the questions we want to answer today is, do you know the Lord is concerned about you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he has a plan for your life? Irrespective of knowing that God is moving in all the earth, and there are signs and wonders, there are great things that God is doing in nations and among people, and in certain churches and great revivals, do you know that God loves you? That he has identified you and he has a personal plan for you and your life. It's funny to me when we talk about listening, you know, and tuning in the voice of God. It's, it's always interesting to me that we are well tuned in to other voices, aren't we? We can really hear the voice of criticism really well. I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I just cannot hear the voice of criticism anymore. Will you pray for me? <laughs> We, we can hear the voice of false flattery. We, we hear that voice immediately. It makes us smile. You know, we're, we're all proud and happy, you know, even though it often is false flattery to hook us and get us to, to do something else. You're walking into Sam's Club. They go, wow, you look sharp today. Do you have a minute? <laughs> How's your air conditioning unit working out? <laughs> right? 
The false flattery, we hear that voice, man. I mean, we're tuned in all around us. We hear the voice of the past speaking in our Never had anyone come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I, don't, I can't even remember my past. I don't know, you know, can you help pray for me? I don't, re I don't remember I had a past. I do have a cousin that, that I accuse of that. She can't remember anything when we were growing up. I was like, it's, it's just like you're born new every day. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't remember things that we did together when we were growing up. But we can hear the voice of the past speaking to us, can't we? And then we hear the voice of culture. We, we hear the voice of culture, of politics, of all these kinds of things. We, we hear them very, very clearly. So why is it that you and I are struggling at times to hear the voice of God and what God is saying? Why is it that we can't hear the loving voice of God speaking purpose, mission, hope, joy into our lives? And I think we see a picture of it right here that in the midst of, of difficulties and struggles and the things that go on in life, you know, we begin to really struggle to hear the voice of God clearly. Because we're so tuned in to the other things that are going on that we've tuned out God. And, and throughout the journey of Israel, we won't get to go all the way through the book of Exodus, unfortunately, but throughout the journey as God delivers them, they keep remembering back to their past and they hear the voices of their past and they think fond thoughts about their past and they, you wouldn't believe it, you know, but sometimes when they were out in the middle of the desert, they were actually longing to be back in slavery. We struggle to hear the voice of God. And Moses and Aaron brought this message to the people. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. The message first comes to the people. And God says, you need to understand you're my people. Mine. There's a, there's a, a, a about to be a pronoun lesson for Pharaoh. I don't know if you've ever watched Bugs Bunny, but one of my favorite ones is with him and Daffy Duck, and, and there's the, uh, the hunter, what's his name? Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd, there we go. And they're arguing over if it's rabbit season or duck season. Remember that? They're pulling the posters down. It's rabbit season and duck season, rabbit season, duck season. And he's got the gun and he's waiting, you know. And uh, they go through this sequence where you know, it's finally it's duck season, and he says, uh, uh, Bugs Bunny says, uh, you, you don't have to shoot him now, you can shoot him later, you know, <laughs> to the duck, you know, to Elmer Fudd about the duck. And he goes, aha, pronoun problem. It's not he doesn't have to shoot you now. It's like he doesn't have to shoot me now. And I say he does, shoot me now, <laughs> you know, and he does. It's, it was a pronoun problem throughout that that little cartoon trying to get things straight and poor Daffy Duck was on the, the bad end of that. And so is Pharaoh on the bad end of understanding my people, my people. In Pharaoh's mind, he was God. He had enslaved these people, not only the people that were enslaved, but the people who were a part of the, the Egyptian peoples uh, that, that, were, that he was over. They were all subjects to him. They are all my people to Pharaoh. And this was a message that God knew was going to contrast immediately when he brought it to Pharaoh. You know, you ever wonder why God didn't try to just, you know, work this thing out slowly and just say, you know, the people have a God, they want to worship, you know, could you let them just start having a church service on Sunday night? 
and uh, everything will be cool, you know, or Saturday morning or something, you know, and, and uh, just, just let that happen, and, and that's the way we'll kind of start things out. But God brings this abrasive message that he knows is going to shake Pharaoh and the whole kingdom when he says, they're my people. And then they bring that message to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's response is, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and I should let Israel go? I want to say something to you this morning. If you want to know who God is, go find some of his people. If you want to know who God is, go find some of his people. I'm not talking about people who go to church. I'm not talking about people who carry a Bible. I'm talking about people who belong to God. If you want to know who he is, go find his people. Because he knows his people and his people know him. And they can reveal him to you. But Pharaoh's saying, I haven't seen him because Israel hasn't been living him, hasn't been worshiping him, hasn't been demonstrating who he is. And so Pharaoh says, I don't even know who he is. Who is the Lord? In this kingdom, I am the Lord. In this kingdom, they worship me. And then it says that he says to them something interesting about work. And then the Lord says to, to uh, Aaron, why do you take the people from the work, get them back to their labor? You know, it's significant that the word of the, of, of, uh, that Pharaoh uses for work in Exodus chapter 5, verse 9, is also the word that God uses for worship in Exodus 4 and 23. And, and it's the same Hebrew word, the word abad, work and worship. And God is saying, I'm changing their work. Your, your, their work has been all about you and you building your kingdom and doing what you think you want them to do. I'm changing their work. Their work is going to be about worshiping me and building my kingdom and the things that I want to, to do on the planet Earth. This is a dramatic change that's going to take place. It's the same Hebrew root word, Abad. You said work and it meant for your own kingdom and your things, I said say work and it means worship of people that are coming together to worship me and it's not only going to transform their lives and free them from this kingdom but it's going to set a precedent that will that will revolve around the world they are going to come and worship me in verse one Moses says and Aaron says to the people uh, the children of Israel, and then he also says it to Pharaoh, what God told him to say, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, and they begin to tell him, let my people go. And it's interesting that in verse 10, Pharaoh counters that and says, thus saith Pharaoh, go tell the people. He tells the taskmasters, you go tell them. Moses says, this is what God says. Pharaoh says, forget what that God says. Here's what I say, and I'm God. The building of an epic battle <laughs> about to start. We know the winner. But in, in our own lives, do you know this is the struggle that's going on inside of you? Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith, put your name there. 
Am I going to live out what God says or am I going to live out what I want to live out? Am I going to, to follow Him wholly and surrender my lives to Him? Or am I going to curtail His uh, wishes, His design, His purpose, His mission to fit into the way I would like to live? It's a prideful battle than a struggle that's going on on a daily basis for us. Paul said, I, I, I fight this battle every single day. I have to crucify me every single day because if I don't crucify me every single day then I rise up and I say thus saith Alan but I want to stand up and say this is what the Lord has said and as a result of that that's what I'm bringing to you I'm not decorating it with any other fancy words I'm not decorating it with my personality or or my skill sets or anything else I am bringing to you what God said to me when Moses was standing in front of the burning bush and the Lord spoke to him, Moses, those words began to burn within him and that was all he could say. I, I think about the prophet Jeremiah who, who said at one point in his life, I don't think I can talk to the people about God anymore. I can't tell them what God has said because I'm very discouraged. They're not listening. They don't want to hear what, what I have to say. And then it says a couple of verses later that his word was shut up in my bones like a fire. I was weary and forbearing and I could not stay. I had to tell them what God said I couldn't hold it inside of me and keep it private Pharaoh said they're my people God says these are my people and the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying thus saith Pharaoh I will not give you straw go get yourself straw where you can and find it yet none of your work will be reduced. And so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt, gathering the stubble instead of the straw. This is where things turn for the people and for Moses. As we said, God, you sent me. I said what you said. This is not good what's happening to the people. They are already slaves and now they're being beaten because they're not making the same quota. And they don't even have the straw to make bricks. They're making these bricks without straw. And Pharaoh has said, more bricks, less straw. More bricks, less straw. Listen, there's not a person in this room that hasn't lived through a season in your life, and you may be living through it right now, where it's more bricks are being required and there's less straw provided. And it's in those seasons that we have to decide if we're going to trust God. As Amanda and Austin were talking about, well, will I trust God? Will I do what God says to do? Will I set aside, will I follow the 80-10-10 the plan that God has designed and laid out for my own personal prosperity? Will I put that into practice for my life? Or am I going to trust me and follow my plan and do what I think is right? And it's really hard to do when you have to create more bricks with less straw. And that's where the people were. That's where Moses was. And that was their challenge. There was difficulty. There was discouragement. There was despair. There was the requirement to do the bricks and, and do them without the straw that was provided for them before. To make them as effective, as strong, as powerful Moses does something interesting when 
things get difficult, and it is a word for each one of us today. So Moses returned to the Lord. <laughs> you remember Peter, one occasion when all the disciples walked away, and Jesus turns to him and he says, Will you guys go away also? The 70 had walked away. They were discouraged over words that Jesus had said, over the challenges of living out their faith in the midst of persecution and difficulty and trials and challenges. And so they walked away, and Jesus turns to Peter. He said, you go too. Will, will you go too? Are you leaving too? And Peter says, where can we go? You have the words of life. Moses had an experience in the wilderness that transformed him. And he knew that when things got tough, return to the Lord. So Moses returned to the Lord and he said, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon your people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither you delivered your people at all. What do you do when it doesn't go your way? When things don't work out? Too many Christians isolate. They go to their caves. They stop gathering together as in, in worship. They get unfaithful. They stop picking up their word and reading God's word. They stop praying. Discouragement overtakes them. And soon they're living their life not as they should be following God on a daily basis, but they're surrendering room by room in their heart for other things that are going on. Moses said, I'm returning to the Lord. He may not answer the question the way I want him to answer it. He may not do an immediate thing that I want him to do, but there is no other God but him. I have seen him, I've experienced him, a relationship with him. You may be here this morning and, and you may have a relationship based intellectually on God. You may know certain things about God's word and believe them and put them into practice. But I want to challenge you to, to, to bring together the head and the heart and to experience the God who loves you and cares about you. It, 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 when you get there, you can never walk back. You can never turn your back and walk away because there isn't anything to walk away to. And so Moses returned to the Lord. Moses came to Pharaoh with the God's message. He witnessed miracles that God did. He didn't anticipate the resistance he was going to get from Pharaoh. A lot of us have not anticipated the resistance the enemy is going to to have in our lives. We, we've not anticipated that when we had the call in our life and we, we went and told friends and loved ones that they were not going to be as overjoyed as we were. We, di we didn't anticipate uh, how things would work out. And so when, when we don't, what do we do? And, and, and God's saying, I, I just need you to, to come back to me because I'm the one that's called you. I'm the one that, that will fulfill it through you. You know, don't look for your uh, uh, support structures outside of a firm foundation in me. 
I will bring some support around you and some encouraging words, but always return to me, always trust in me. Every one of us has underestimated the enemy's resolve to keep his people in bondage. I'm not asking you to read ahead uh, to Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Don't do it. Don't turn to Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. We're talking about that next week, so don't do it. All right, you can do it. Now you will see. Now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Since you returned to me, since you obeyed me, since you carried my word around, you're going to live long enough to see. You're going to see my deliverance. You're going to see my hand working a miracle and bringing my people out of bondage. Now you will see. And to every, everyone who bailed when the things were difficult and decided to, to isolate and, and live in a cave and, and, and not uh, come together in worship and, and not continue down the pathway of, of walking out their faith step by step, they, they missed the now you will see moments that God brought because he brought them. They just weren't there to see them. Now you will see. God is a now you will see God and he is bringing things to pass in, in your life for you individually. And even when you're, you're sitting there and you can't see how it possibly can happen, it's at work as, as Amanda and Austin were talking about and, and that goes so much further. I mean, they could have gone into some details about the miracles that God provided and and, and none, of, none of us could see the things that God was going to do. And you've had those experiences, some of you, in, in your life where there was just this, this impossibility and you thought it out in every way uh, possible. If my rich aunt comes to my rescue and she bails me out, you know, you, know, you, know, you had all these ideas and thought, if I could get the loan and, you know, and, and just everything, you know, and then all of a sudden, now you will see God shows up in a powerful way. And it's never what we thought. And it's always so wonderful and gracious to experience. Moses came to ask some questions of God. God reveals himself throughout this unfolding story. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back if they will. I believe there are people here today, there are people who may be listening online, who God is speaking to and challenging you to persevere, to stand strong. You're going to see deliverance. You're going to see the incredible things that God wants to do in your life. There are people in the room this season who are being required to make more bricks and you have less straw. You're right there, and it's an impossible task. And you're saying, how am I, how am I going to get this done? I, I, have, I have to do the same or greater quota, and I have less resources around me to help accomplish this. How, how is it going to happen? And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to return to the Lord? Are we going to fall into his hands and say, God, I trust you. I want to ask you to stand with me. 
For those who are present here and God is speaking to you, I want to invite you to come forward and stand. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you that in this season right now of difficulty and challenge, when you are being required to make the same quota but have less straw, that God's going to meet with you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to reaffirm the promise that he's made in your life, and you're going to hold steady and watch him because you want to see that. You want to see it happen. Now you will see. Now you will see. So will you come this morning as our worship team sings and let us pray with you and, and agree with you?